Hello, hello, and welcome to the Star's Turn Cosmos and Cards. I am your host, Jay. Thank you so much, as always, for being here with me. I hope Scorpio season was kind to you, was as gentle as possible with you. I hope you were able to dive deep and find some answers and let go of some shit that you don't need anymore. I hope you navigated the eclipses with as much ease as possible. Ugh, as bummed as I am to say goodbye to my season for another year. Yes, Scorpios, we must do what we are not always so great at doing and let go for now. You know, we always have Scorpio season 2023 to look forward to, but for now, we are moving into Sagittarius season and as bummed as I am, it has not been the best Scorpio season. I'll be the first to admit that. Obviously, as I just mentioned, we had eclipse season. The south node is in Scorpio, kind of destabilizing and diminishing, depleting energy. And as you might be able to tell from the sound of my voice, my energy was certainly depleted as I was struck down. I don't know, as I was sick with COVID. You remember in the last episode, I was like, I feel like something's coming and I'm not worried about it, but I'm not excited about it. And I was laughing at myself the other day thinking, was it COVID? Was, did I somehow cosmically know that COVID was coming? I don't know. I don't think so. The feeling has kind of gone away, although it's still there under the surface. So we'll see what happens. I, I didn't hear from anybody that they're feeling the same way. So who knows? Could be just a Jasmine thing. But point being, I spent a lot of Scorpio season hiding under the covers, waiting to get better. Uh, apologies for the somewhat nasally sound of my voice for this episode, but such is life and this is where we are. I hope anybody else that is maybe dealing with an illness or, you know, the flu or the cold or whatever seasonal crap is going around that you get better soon and that it's not too rough. And everyone that's feeling perfectly healthy, um, congrats, and we are super happy for you. Can you please send us some healing vibes? That would be great. So yes, as I mentioned, and as you likely saw in the episode title, we are here to chat about Sagittarius season. So let's dive right in. The first thing that came to mind while writing these notes was the idea of planets moving from water signs to fire signs and how that always kind of gives them a little kickstart, a bit of a jump start. The energy feels more upward and outward and future focused. And I think that's the case, especially this year, as we leave Scorpio, which is already about rooting down and diving deep within our emotional realms. But with the South Node there this year, those themes of you know, digging through the past and reflecting on what co what's come before was very emphasized. And I should say, Sag season 2022 will run from November 22nd until December 21st. 
at least uh, here in the northern hemisphere eastern time zone. So yeah, so with Mercury, Venus, and the sun all shifting into Sagittarius, Venus and Mercury both having moved into Sagittarius about a week before the sun, the energy is a little bit livelier and enthusiastic and probably more than a little bit. It's probably a lot livelier and enthusiastic. And we're going to chat more about Sagittarius energy in general in a bit, but I first want to look at what's influencing things in 2022. So in addition to the sun moving into Sag, we do already have a couple planets there, as I mentioned. Um, Venus is already there, which is much more neutral in Sagittarius than she is in Scorpio. In Scorpio, we talked about how that's a detriment placement for her. It's more difficult for her to express herself there. And while she doesn't really have any uh, any kind of dignity or rulership uh, within Sagittarius, it becomes a more neutral space because she's not in detriment. And in Sagittarius, Venus is seeking some freedom and adventure within relationships. She's really ready to get out of routines and try something new. And we also have Mercury in Sagittarius, which is the sign of Mercury's detriment. So that might bring some scattered mental energies to the mix. It's a version of Mercury that sees all the possibilities of the future and wants to pursue them all at the same time. So it does still have that very upwards and outwards and enthusiastic energy, making the energy a little bit more uh, lively, as I said, but wants to do all of the things, which can make us feel a little bit spread thin, especially with uh, Mars already, you know, having its retrograde in a Mercury-ruled sign. There's just a lot of that mutable, scattered, wanting to do all of the things all at once energy. Now, both Mercury and Venus will be in Sagittarius for half of the Sagittarius season, and then they'll be in Capricorn for the other half of Sag season. So there's definitely going to be a shift in energy throughout the season. You know, once they move into Capricorn, they'll be under Saturn's rulership, whereas for now, Jupiter is overseeing things, right? And speaking of Jupiter, Sagittarius's ruler will be at home in Pisces right up until the last day of Sag season, which does provide a really good boost of positivity and reception for the planets that Jupiter is hosting. And not only that, Jupiter will station direct. It's been retrograde, but it's going to station direct on day two of Sag season. So the quality of Jupiter is improving even more from where it was during Scorpio season, and it's really able to provide some guidance and like helpful supervision to the Sun, Mercury, and Venus during their stay. And we'll talk more about Jupiter moving direct when we talk about the Sag new moon in a little bit. So while the Sun, Mercury, and Venus were in Scorpio, they were being ruled by Mars retrograde in Gemini, which was definitely tricky. Um, it's not ideal to like stay at someone's house when they're not doing well and can't provide all of the things a host would typically provide. So it's definitely a positive that Jupiter is now hosting all of these folks, 
However, coming into Sag season this year does mean that each of these planets is entering into a sign-based opposition with Mars, right? And each of them will form an exact opposition by degree at some point during their travels through Sagittarius. So during Scorpio season, Mars was kind of this like unseen but definitely felt presence. Felt because it was ruling the planets, but unseen because uh, Scorpio and Gemini don't aspect each other. They don't see each other. So it was like this point of difficulty that we maybe couldn't quite put our finger on, but we knew it was there. In Sagittarius season, it's possible we might find some clarity in what these difficulties were or still are because Sagittarius and Gemini, of course, can see each other, right? Right across the zodiac, they are the um they're they're in opposition to each other. So while we may find some clarity because there is light there, there is sight there, it's possible that we'll also have to like meet and navigate them in a much more direct and a much more confrontational way. So perhaps Scorpio season prepared us a little bit for what we might have to deal with or at least gave us. And you know, now I'm just thinking, I wonder if this thing that I feel that is coming is that unseen presence and that maybe during Sag season, things will come more into focus. And as difficult as it might be to like face those things head on, it's much easier when we know what the problem is, right? Like we can tackle the problem with full understanding or at least a fuller understanding. So let's talk Sagittarius season, Sagittarius energy in general. It is a potentially very expansive and forward-moving time. In Scorpio season, we can get so focused on understanding where we've been in the past and how that's gotten us to where we are now. We're really looking inward and deepening our experiences, but in Sagittarius season, it's almost the opposite. We can think of the difference in element between water and fire. Water draws down and it holds onto, whereas fire bursts forth. It rises up. Fire is expressive and a little wild. And so when you combine that with the rulership of Jupiter, you get this incredibly expansive and optimistic energy. The sky is the limit. It feels that way, right? And that probably can't even contain Sagittarius energy for the most part. We are reaching and seeking and we're on a quest for meaning and truth and the bigger picture. And I guess, you know, in in Scorpio, we're, we're driven to find the truth as well, but it's more of an inner truth. It's more of a, a deeper truth. Whereas Sagittarius, the truth is like, what is the meaning of life? Why are we doing all of this? We go on this like heroic quest to find the truth that is out there. Philosophy and spirituality definitely feel like things that we can explore with a lot of good returns during Sagittarius season. There is very much a teacher and preacher energy to Sag. Things can get a little zealous under this energy. It's just that Sagittarius is so committed and devoted that sometimes they can't see past 
that belief that's there. It's just this confidence, this like deep confidence in the sense of self when it comes to Sagittarius. And during this season, we can ask ourselves, what motivates us? What inspires us? What gives us meaning? What connects us with a greater sense of purpose? What uplifts our spirits? These are the things that the energy is conducive to us exploring. Sag season is all about going big or going bigger. Like dreaming big, living big, stepping outside the comfort zone, taking an adventure, even if that's within our own homes, right? Reading a book that takes us to far off places or having conversations that help us see new points of view, engaging in relationships that help us to see something beyond ourselves. Limits and boundaries are not really a thing with Sagittarius, especially with Jupiter in Pisces. Jupiter's already this planet of going above and beyond and expanding and increasing where, you know, limits and boundaries are not necessarily a thing that it adheres to because it wants to broaden perspectives, broaden horizons. And then when it's in Pisces, which is one of its home signs, it does very well there, but Pisces is like this ocean that is boundless. And so we're really feeling unrestricted. And then we've also got Mars, again, retrograde in Gemini, another mutable sign, another very like open sign. So there is this risk that we might take on too much, that we might say yes too often, that we might stretch ourselves a little bit too thin. And when we do take on too much all at once, it can feel scattered and chaotic. Some people do really well under the pressure of having multiple things going on at once, but I would love to hear from people with a lot of mutable placements, like how has this current energy been treating you? Like, do you find that it's just business as usual or is there an extra pressure that maybe doesn't allow multitasking to feel as comfortable as it typically would for you? And I think for people with a lot of fixed placements and to a lesser extent, people with a lot of cardinal placements, all of this unrestricted energy can mostly feel chaotic. And that's not to say that we should only do one thing or that we can only do one thing. For some people, that is a really good path to take. But if we have like a dozen ideas, maybe we compare that down to like four or five, or maybe we do all 12, but we prioritize them. We sequence them and say like, this is how, this is the logical way that I can still do all the things without totally burning myself out. But there is definitely a thing about mutable energy in general. And when I say mutable energy, I'm talking about Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Those are the mutable signs. And so when we have a heavy emphasis on those signs, and you know, right now for Sagittarius season, at least the first two weeks, we will have Mars and Gemini, the Sun, Venus, and Mercury in Sagittarius, and Jupiter and Neptune in 
Pisces. So there is a lot of mutable energy. And mutable energy does tend to get bored pretty easily. It is a sign that just craves new input. And there's this excitement from getting that fresh and new input and learning new things, trying new things, exploring new things. But there is that tendency to start a lot of things but never really finish them. There's just kind of a a difficulty with like staying still. There's a restlessness that I think during Sagittarius we can figure out how or during Sagittarius season we can maybe figure out how to like calm and satiate that restlessness. Like let's ask ourselves what actually matters? What's that bigger picture um greater sense of purpose within life? What is that? How do we get there? And what is just a distraction? What is just that thing that's like, oh, but I want to do this. Oh, but I want to do that. Oh, but I want to do that. What of those things actually takes us to the destination that we want to get to on this journey? So let's shift into talking about the tarot card associated with Sagittarius. And I will admit, which is temperance, I should say, the major arcana card temperance. and. It's not one of my favorite connections, although I'll be perfectly honest in saying it's not as though I have another card in mind, but I think I've mentioned on this show before that there are some connections I feel work better than others, but, you know, again, tarot is not, tarot and astrology are not a one for one for each other, right? But I think it's still worth talking about and it's still a card that we can work with during the season. So here's the connections that I have personally made between temperance and Sag. This idea of let go and let goddess. So in Scorpio season, we were digging so deep and trying to uncover all of the secrets and all of the understandings about all of the inner workings. And there was this sense of like, not necessarily struggling, but definitely a kind of a pushing and a probing and a delving. And I feel like Sagittarius season and temperance come in to say, okay, you've done your part. You've put in all that effort. And now the next step is to just trust that spirit or the universe or guides or whatever you like to work with. Just put whatever word you like to work with in there. We have to trust that that will meet us halfway, that we're actually in kind of a co-creation with, I like to say, spirit. So we can do our part and we can show up. And, you know, it's kind of like when you're doing magic, it's like you put your stuff into place, but you have to trust that the things that you're appealing to are going to come and show the next step or illuminate the path or, you know, bring you that next piece of insight, whatever it might be. You know, we're in that swamp in Scorpio season. We're like just so deep in often a murky water. And then Sagittarius is kind of like, hey, look up here. Look at all that light and look at what might be ready to work with you. We can come up and out and realize that we have that energy to 
co-create with. And the figure in most depictions of the temperance card has these angelic wings, which always makes me think of something that's beyond our human existence, which speaks to me of that, you know, the spirit element or the universe or your guides or whatever it might be. But it also, the figure, the figure also typically usually has one foot on water and one foot on land, which I think also speaks to this co-creation or this idea of taking the lessons from Scorpio season and bringing them with us into Sagittarius season. And that one foot on the ground, one foot on the water or in the water also kind of feels like a reintegration. So after all the shedding and releasing in Scorpio season, we're now figuring out how to rebalance and looking at what we're still working with to determine how it all kind of blends together at this point, right? Like the combining of all of the parts of us that still remain after the shedding. We've gone into the self and now we're coming back to the outer realm through this process. There's also obviously some quality of moderation within temperance. And even though Sagittarius is this big energy and it has these grand ambitions, there is this like slight corrective quality as we move away from Scorpio Um, and Scorpio wanting to dig so deep that Sag is like, okay, maybe we can lighten up a little bit, a little bit. Maybe we can lighten up a bit. Maybe that was Sag energy. Um, And also give our attention to these other things. It's kind of tempering the extremes that we might have gone to in that deep watery season. And going back to just the mutability of it all, I think temperance can also speak to this idea that multiple things can be true at the same time. So yes, we were looking for that deeper truth within Sagitt- or within Scorpio season, but there's maybe not one true truth. There are maybe multiple things that are possible. I think a lot of the time in Scorpio season, we can get into a little bit of this dangerous um, black and white, all or nothing, this or that kind of thinking because we want to dig so far for the truth, but Sagittarius, I think, helps us. And and it's good to dig for the truth, right? Like it's good to go below the surface and, and figure out what's really going on. But then Sagittarius and temperance can kind of be like, well, but what about all the gray areas of life? You know, what about all the in betweens? And mutable signs in general can be a really good, uh, reminder or lesson of the possibility of multiple things being true at once. All mutable signs have this like double-bodied energy. You know, we've got the twins in Gemini or um, Sagittarius is a centaur. So there's this idea that there isn't just one answer. And then finally with temperance, this idea of combining and infusing all the elements of life together to create something whole and unique It is a card that brings an invitation to allow the seemingly disparate parts of ourselves to come together and create the most authentic and whole versions of us. And we can think about that centaur and the double-bodiedness of it all. And it's like, maybe you do have a horse body and a 
human torso, and that's okay. Those two things are allowed to exist all at the same time. All right, so I also want to talk about the new moon in Sagittarius that's happening on November 23rd, just one day after Sagittarius season starts, and it's also the same day that Jupiter will station direct in Pisces. This is our first new moon since eclipse season, so we do have that cosmic green light to get back into our regular lunar rituals. And getting back into a routine can have a very stabilizing effect, which I think in turn can actually help us to be more adventurous. Like once we have that more solid foundation, we might feel more confident branching out. So to me, this feels like a really classic new moon in terms of starting fresh. Not only is it a new moon, and the first new moon since eclipse season, but it's happening in a fire sign ruled by Jupiter, which really emphasizes this idea of looking ahead and wanting to launch forward and leap into what's next. The hopeful and optimistic and enthusiastic qualities of Sagittarius blend really nicely with the new beginning energy of a new moon. And Jupiter, ruler of Sagittarius, and so the ruler of this lunation, like I said, stations direct in Pisces on the same day. And now anytime a planet stations, whether it's retrograde or direct, it's very loud. It sort of demands our attention in a way, like it's shifting direction. So, or it's at least preparing to shift direction, quote unquote, right? It's just, it doesn't actually shift direction, but that's just the way it looks to us from our view down on earth. But anyways, because of that, it's just kind of a big deal. So it demands our attention. And with Jupiter stationing direct and therefore starting the process of moving forward again, there's even more of this ready to move on energy infused into the new moon. And this is Jupiter's final run through these last degrees of Pisces for about 12 years anyways, until it, you know, circles the zodiac and comes back. So this does feel extra significant, like whatever story has been playing out for us in the Pisces part of our charts is coming to an end, but with all the back and forth that Jupiter has been doing in this area of our charts since May of 2021, I kind of wonder if this final visit is all about finally deciding what we're ready to move forward with within this story. Like what we're really meant to take with us to help with our Jupiter and Aries story that's about to really kick off in December. Jupiter and Pisces ended up being pretty passive and it really solidified this idea for me that some transits kind of just happen and provide a kind of overall energy and it's through that energy that we're able to experience something differently or gain new perspective, but it doesn't always have to mean that we're like super active in regards to the transit. I hope that makes sense. Like this final visit kind of feels like, okay, we get it. Here's what all of this has really been building towards. And this is what we're going to be moving ahead with. Whereas before it kind of felt like we were just floating out in the Pisces sea and then just enjoying those benefic vibes, those helpful vibes, that soothing balm to all the, you know, Uranus square Saturn and and Mars retrograde shit and 
now this final pass is like, okay, we get it. Here we go. And so I just think this is a pretty powerful position for the new moon's ruler to be in. Yes, it's in a sign-based square with Mars. And, you know, actually both the sun and moon are in a sign-based opposition with Mars as well. But they're far enough apart degree-wise. Mars and Jupiter are a little bit closer. But given the rate that they're moving currently, it's a good enough distance. So it's not really impacting the new moon in any adverse ways. Like, in fact, there are no challenging aspects hitting this new moon, which really only makes it that much more auspicious. There's a very soulful and nourishing energy surrounding this new moon. I think it'll be really nice for rituals and readings and just connection in general. And there's also a really inspiring quality and this feeling of possibility, which is where I think the corresponding tarot card comes in. And the card I want to talk about is the Eight of Wands, which uh, it's one of it's the the connection through the decans again. So this is happening. This new moon is happening at one degree of Sagittarius, and Eight of Wands is the card that um, corresponds with those first ten degrees of Sag. So with the Eight of Wands, for me, this always feels like things are in motion. Kind of feels like we're mid story when we pull this card, which for me you know, at this given time really connects with the Jupiter and Pisces of it all. But mid-story can be a little disorienting and frustrating when we're really searching for some kind of answer or certainty. It is, the card kind of points to a time with more questions than answers, right? Like we pull it and we go, where are the wands going? Where did they come from? Who threw them? Why were they thrown in the first place? So perhaps we're using this last pass of Jupiter and Pisces and the way it interacts with the new moon to answer all of these questions for ourselves. And of course, we're not really asking about the wands, but how, however those wands are showing up in your life, you know, whatever is kind of in flux. Or perhaps part of the story in a larger sense is getting comfortable with having these unanswered questions like with the excitement that the pursuit of these questions brings. It evokes that Sagittarius archer who points its arrow towards the sky looking for the greatest meaning of something and not just an answer for the sake of it. Without finite answers, there are so many possibilities, which again can feel chaotic, especially with Jupiter in a sign like Pisces ruling a new moon in another Jupiter-ruled sign. There are no boundaries and limits, or there aren't many, but the feeling of possibility remains. It also feels like a great reminder of trusting in the timing and going back to temperance, the idea that we can do our due diligence, we can give our offerings to the universe, but we have to trust that it comes in to meet us and carry us through to that next stage. And you know I'm going to bring out my favorite new book tarot for change. And in the book, in the entry on the eight of wands, the author talks about willpower versus allowing and finding the balance. So this idea that life is kind of a figuring out that balance between exerting will and allowing what's happening. So kind of like taking action or being passive, right? But passive in a way that's like, we're just going with the flow. So I think Somewhere in the middle of that, 
is the idea of loosening control. Like, yes, we want to pursue something. We want to move forward. But all we can do is put in the effort and do our best. Like I said, the due diligence. And then the rest really isn't in our control, right? Like we can throw the wand, but where the wand ends up, I mean, there's so many factors involved. The wind, the weather, um, the wand itself and how aerodynamic it might be, you know, like we have to allow it to play out however it might play out. And can we do that while acknowledging that we hope for a certain outcome? Yeah. But can we do that while acknowledging we hope for a certain outcome? While witnessing that we may feel we need a certain outcome because that's what would be the most fulfilling? Like, can we acknowledge that we have our very real and very important needs while also understanding that not every situation and not every person can meet those needs and maybe we need to also meet these people in situations at their halfway. But brass tacks, I just feel like the eight of wands signals this idea of possibilities and that things are in motion and it's it's more of that forward momentum. So I hope that you're able to take advantage of this beautiful new moon energy. As I've said on many occasions, you do not have to do your new moon rituals on the exact day. You can do it. Sometimes I find it's even better a little bit after because the energy is sinking in. The moon is growing in light. And so don't worry if you're not right on the ball with it. But you might feel called to because of all of this, you know, forward energy and momentum. But Whatever you do, I hope it's lovely. I hope you all have a fabulous Sagittarius season. I would love to hear from you how Scorpio season was, how those eclipses treated you, what you're looking forward to in Sagittarius season. Definitely hit me up on Instagram. You can find the show at The Star's Turn. You can find me at Damn Fine Witch. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's always an honor to have you here and to be in your ear holes and all that good stuff and i'll be back in a couple of weeks or so with a new episode but until then everyone i'll catch you in the cosmos mm-hmm.